Follow Me is the third installment in our Life of Christ series. In this series, we are looking at what it looks like to follow Jesus and have our lives reflect His glory. We will be looking at Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. If you are interested in knowing more about Jesus, Christianity, or our community of faith at Christ Church at Grove Farm, I encourage you to reach out to us on our website, ccgf.org. Our pastors and staff would love to connect with you and assist you in your walk with Christ. Here's the message from this week. Grace and peace to you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this time that we have to spend together worshiping you, singing your praises, giving thanks to you, giving our hearts to you, bringing our burdens before you and placing them at your feet. I pray, God, as we look at your word, that we would be inspired to grow as people who know Jesus. Wherever we are, Lord, on that continuum, whether we don't know him at all or we know him a little bit or we've been following Christ for many years, I pray, Lord, that this would be a time for us where we grow in our understanding of who Jesus is, who he's called us to be, and how he's called us to live. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your grace. I pray, Lord, that this morning your love, your mercy, your salvation, grace, would touch every person. I pray, Lord, that it would touch that one right now who really needs it. Thank you, God, for this time together. Speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I would love to tell you about a remarkable individual named James Harrison. Not that James Harrison. <laughs> Listen, if you are worshiping online remotely with us, I have to explain, we're in Pittsburgh, and Pittsburghers like think Steelers first, right? So we don't think about the immaculate conception, we think immaculate reception. So you gotta correct people here. Not that James Harrison, a different James Harrison. You never heard of this one before. This James Harrison that I wanna introduce you to is a remarkable guy that has been used to save over two million people. Over two million people. People. I think it's 2.4 is the official number. It's remarkable. The way this happened is that James Harrison has a rare condition uh, that, that impacts his blood, the makeup of his blood, the chemistry of his blood. And the rare quality of his, his blood profile has been used to create a medicine that specifically helps infants who have conditions that would put their life at risk. And so it's been used over and over again, his blood, to help save, again, millions of people. That guy, James Harrison, gave blood for 60 years. They had to force him into retirement. They told him at at 80 or whatever that he couldn't give blood anymore because it was no good for him. He was actually putting his own life at risk the more he continued to do it. He gave blood... 1,173 times during those 60 years. Incredible, isn't it? Think about that. Think about the impact. He deserves applause. (laughs) Think about, that's a lot of cookies and juice, by the way, too, isn't it? (laughs) Think about the impact of his life. Think about the influence. Here's a quote that I'm going to share with you from him. This is what he said. You know, he's got this rare antibody in his blood. And here's what he says. He says, it becomes quite humbling when they say, oh, you've done this or you've done that. You're a hero. It's something I can do. 
It's one of my talents, probably my only talent. That's that I can give blood. I can be a blood donor. That's what he said. Imagine, what impact, what influence. We're reading a passage today, and Jeremiah has already shared it with you, where we're talking about the words of Jesus as we continue on in this series, Life of Christ, Follow Me. And we're looking at Jesus, the one who said, you are the salt of the earth. He said, you are the light of the world. You know what Jesus is speaking to? Influence. Impact. The kind of influence and impact even that James Harrison, that man from Australia, had. He's talking about influence. You know, we live in a day and time where being an influencer is a big deal. There are social media influencers. That's, that's a vocation for some people. They get on up in the morning and they post about their life and they, 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 they write inspirational words. Truthfully, some of it's garbage, some of it's helpful. And there's, there's everything in between. We live in a time where people are seeking to be influencers. A lot of young adults would love to be a person of influence. They want their life to count for something. I love that, by the way, young adults. I love that about this generation. Well, Jesus here, when he says, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world, he's speaking to the influence that he wants his disciples to have. Now, you can imagine that as Jesus talks to this group of people, they may have been skeptical or at least inquisitive about what Jesus was saying. Because mind you, we're, we're reading through Matthew 5. We're going to go through Matthew 5, 6, and 7 as a part of this study on the Sermon on the Mount, the teachings on the hill, this collection of sermons that Jesus preached, most likely over a period of time. He just has said to them, you know, blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the meek. That doesn't sound like a group of people who are prepared to influence the world. Poor people. In fact, they themselves were poor Palestinian peasants. The triple P. That's what they were. And so they had to wonder, how on earth can we influence the world? That thing feels like a big dream. We may not even be able to influence our little community, given who we are and our place in society. But Jesus lays out for them... And by the way, it's for us too. A very clear vision about who he has called us to be. You see, the, the Sermon on the Mount is, is Jesus' own description, we said this last week, of what he wants his followers to be and what he wants his followers to do. He was calling this little group of peasants, uneducated, Blue-collar workers. He was calling them to influence, make an impact on the world. And he calls us to do the same today. You may wonder, how can I have an influence? You may be like one of those young adults who says, I want to be an influencer. Well, listen, if you pay attention to the text, I think there's something here for you today. Because you are called, if you follow Jesus, if you would identify with that, you are called to have an influence to make an impact. You know, this Sermon on the Mount that we're talking about, this is, um, I think, a compelling uh, text for us again today, one that will cause us to ponder and consider the words of Jesus. If the Beatitudes, and by the way, if you didn't listen to last week's sermon, you can always go back and watch it on YouTube. I encourage you to read the text more than anything, Matthew 5. 
The Beatitudes really inform who we are called to be. What we're going to look at today, where Jesus is talking about salt and light, it really informs what we are called to do as followers of Christ. I hope you're you're on the edge of the seat. I hope that you're ready to hear from this. Here's what I'll tell you. This is kind of like the bottom line, okay? Those who follow Jesus are called to have a significant, significant influence on the world. Let's make it personal. John, you are called as a follower of Christ to have a significant influence on the world. It's personal. Let's make it personal. Shelly, you are called as a follower of Jesus to have a significant influence in the world. This is for all of us. And so if you follow Jesus, I pray you'll take some notes. I pray that you'll be considering how you can have that kind of influence. The text we're reading really speaks to the influence that a follower of Jesus should have. So let's go back to what you've already heard read. Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to read verse 13. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. He uses a metaphor. He says, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So, you know, if you, if you look at ancient times, there were several uses or understandings of salt in that culture. Some of them apply still today. Okay, like for, for instance, I'm going to look at my notes here. The, the first was seasoning, of course. Salt has always been seasoning. It's meant to enhance the flavor of food. And so you can make a quick like parallel there. You can connect the dots and say those who follow Jesus are called to be people who, whose lives get incorporated and spread throughout the world and they enhance life. You can see that, right? That, that potentially is one of the, the meanings or understandings of Jesus saying, you are the salt of the earth. It could be that you're just like meant to enhance life. I think that's, that's valid. Another understanding in the ancient world of salt was that of a preservative. This is before refrigeration. And so in order to, to, to keep meat from spoiling, they would put salt on it. And that would act as a preservative to that meat. Some people still prepare meat that way all around the world. They still use salt as a preservative if they don't have refrigeration or if they just want a certain style, a certain kind of experience with meat. Well, again, draw the parallels. Followers of Jesus are meant to be people who prevent the world from being corrupted. A preservative. We're we're called to be a people who act like salt in the world who preserve the world from corruption. You know, salt doesn't just savor, it saves. It does both. And so you could see that that perhaps Jesus, when he's saying you are the salt of the earth, he's talking about us being called to be a preservative in the world. Not only a flavor enhancer. Another understanding, and this one might be new to you, is sacrifice. The audience here who heard Jesus speaking of salt would also have understood salt as a sacrificial element. If you look at Leviticus, for instance, in Leviticus, you'll see that the Israelites are commanded to present their grain offerings with salt. And so you can, again, make a parallel. 
and think of Romans 12 and say, okay, Jesus is saying that those who follow him should be like salt. They should be living sacrifices. If salt was something that was incorporated in sacrificial giving, then we ourselves, we are the salt of the earth. We're called to be a people who are living sacrifices. You can read that in Romans 12 for yourself. That could be what it means. Another understanding, again, from the ancient world, really that we could see today, is one that's, that's more grim, and that's this, that salt was understood to be something that represented destruction and judgment. I mean, think of Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. In fact, there's, there's several passages in the Old Testament and even in the New that refer to salt in the context of destruction and judgment. And so there could be another parallel where we understand that Jesus saying you're the salt of the earth, that, that's meant that Jesus is saying those who follow him, there's a sense in which we are sent into the world to destroy wickedness. We're called to be a people who prevent greed and injustice and lust in this world. And I'll say this as an aside. Unfortunately, I, I think that the church, and I've been a part of church for a long time, not just Christ church, I'm speaking of the church. I think the church has failed in this sense of being salt. We've been too, um, uh, we, we've allowed too much in the culture. We've acquiesced to, to too great of a degree. And so perhaps we need to pay attention to that element of what perhaps salt means. So you see all these, these different meanings, right? There's, there's seasoning, there's preservative, there's salt as, as a sacrificial kind of element. There, there's salt representing judgment. Wouldn't you say this, no matter what you want to look at it in, this idea of being the salt of the earth, wouldn't you say that the, the world needs more salt right now? I mean, really, think about it. Think about what you, what you see on the news. Think about what you hear from your neighbors. Think about what's happening in, in lives and the, the degree of brokenness. Wouldn't you say that we need more salt right now? You know, I think we do. When, when I consider the, the level of dishonesty that's present in our culture today. In fact, we have a whole, whole element of our culture that none of us trust. That's, that seems to be predicated on being deceptive. Dishonesty. That's how it works. And so what, what's the result? We don't trust what we hear. There's such a great degree of dishonesty in our culture. We don't know who to believe. There, there's a great degree of greed in our culture. All we want is more, 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 more. We need more salt in this world. You know, I'll say this as well. You know, the, the degree of, of sexual depravity in our culture is alarming. I have kids. Many of you have children or grandchildren. It's really concerning when you consider that a, a young boy's uh, first exposure to pornography is the, at an average age of eight years old. When you consider what's happening in our educational entities and the things that are being like forced on our kids in our schools, it feels like an agenda. There's a lot of concerning things in our culture. Wouldn't you say that the world needs more salt? Listen, there's, a, there's another understanding of salt, not only as the, the seasoning or the preservative, or the sacrificial element, 
or, or the, the, the thing about destruction. There's another understanding that this audience would have had when Jesus says you are the salt of the earth, and that is salt as fertilizer. I have a friend in the church who tells me this is actually something that's still common today. Salt is still used in some form as a fertilizer. You know, back in these days, in these times, salt would have been used to help with water retention in the soil. Salt would have been used to to help release minerals from the soil into the plants. Salt would have been used to kill weeds. Salt would have been used to protect the crops from disease. Salt would have been used to stimulate growth in plants. And so when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, it could mean he's talking about this idea of fertilizer. So I'm going to camp out there. I'm just going to pick that one. I want to camp out there for a moment. And, and I'll tell you a little story about what it means to be the salt of the earth, to be this kind of fertilizer. So uh, a few years back, I was um, in, in college ministry, ministry to young adults, 20-somethings. Really enjoyed that season of ministry. And there was an unassuming guy, very unassuming guy, who was a part of the ministry. He was a college student from out of town. He came from out of town to, to live and, and go to school at a campus, and he became a part of our church. Well, this guy, finding himself on a college campus, his name is Dallas, he ended up, you know, getting involved in, in life on the campus. And he did it from the perspective of, of understanding that he was a person of faith, that he was a Christian, a follower of Jesus. And so he got involved on, on campus. One of the things that this guy did was get really involved socially all around the campus. He made friends with people of all kinds, people of all races, people of all political affiliations, people of all backgrounds. He made friends. And as he made friends, he decided to do a couple things that were really pivotal. One was he started a Bible study. Mind you, he wasn't a Bible scholar. Dallas would tell you, like, he didn't even want to teach the Bible study. In fact, most times he didn't teach it. He got other people to teach it. But he organized and got a Bible study on campus. And he invited everyone he knew to it. He's not even the most outgoing guy, but he invited everyone he knew to this Bible study. Not only that, he started bringing people to church. Every week, there would be a caravan of students that would show up, and I would meet them all. And some of them would come back, some of them would never come back, but he would invite them to the church every week. There's a legacy in this, by the way. There are many uh, students who came, who came to Christ through that, who became leaders in the church, who are still active, who, who went elsewhere and got involved in faith communities, met their spouses. through It was amazing. And, and it was all born of this guy understanding, I think, in his own way, that he was called to be fertilizer, called to be salt on a college campus. I mean, college campuses, in many respects, are like incubators for all the, that's not right in our society. I think we all know the stuff that's going on in college campuses, and there's actually, it feels like there's like a, an overt kind of agenda by faculty and the powers that be to really even undermine faith in people. But this guy found himself in that place, and he recognized in his own way that he was called to be salt, that he was called to be a fertilizer, to, to, to address weeds, things that shouldn't be there, to help people grow, 
to, to kind of prevent them from disease. And he did it in his way, and he was incredibly successful, just a, an unassuming guy. Isn't that amazing? It's interesting. His na- last name is Shepherd. Isn't that appropriate? Dallas Shepherd. He really was a shepherd on the campus. And I'll tell you what he had influence. Dallas had influence on that campus. Listen, you are called to be the salt of the earth, fertilizer, to kill the weeds. And look, there are a lot of weeds that will crop up in your family. A lot of weeds that will crop up in your own life. There are a lot of weeds that will crop up in your neighborhood and anything you're a part of. You're to be a person who addresses those weeds, so to speak, that pulls them out, that doesn't allow them to prevent the growth that God wants to happen in the places where you find yourself. Can you see this? This is what we're called to be. We're called to be that kind of salt. We're, we're there to help ward off diseases. The disease of like wrong thinking, crazy thinking, their culture is forcing down our throat to help people grow. You're called to be like the good gardener and to be the salt of the earth. You know, I'll, I'll give you an example of how you could do that right here at Christ Church, right out there in the Minton Commons. We have a booth set up for kids' ministry volunteers. I tell you, we want to be fertilizer. You want to help a group, a generation of kids grow up in the ways of God, in the ways of the Lord, serve in our kids' ministry. You should do this. You could see all the needs. There's a lot of different ways you could plug in. You should go and serve. This is a way you can live out in the context of this church. There are other ways in the community, but in the context of this church, you could contribute. You could be fertilizer to a group of kids. This is what we're called to be. But Jesus says this, as he's talking about salt, whether he's talking about the flavor enhancer or the preservative or the sacrifice, or the destruction, or the fertilizer. You, you pick your, your understanding of the metaphor. I think they all apply. No matter what, here's what he does say, though. He says, what if salt loses its saltiness? What if the salt loses its saltiness? You know, the salt that Jesus would have been talking about, that he knew, that the people that he was talking to knew, was, was salt that came from the Dead Sea, most likely. That's where it came from. And, and there were no refineries back in those days. And so they would have salt that was a white powder. And that white powder was a mix of sodium chloride and then a bunch of other stuff. Well, when it was stored, if it got wet, what would happen? The salt part of it would go away. It's soluble. It would would sometimes get washed out. And what would be left is this white, tasteless dust. You know what they would use that for? Road dust. It was something that's to be thrown out the window. It didn't have any value. And so Jesus says, listen, if salt, if that happens to your salt, if your salt pile gets, gets washed out, it'll have no taste. It'll just be white powder. It's not, no good for anything other than, than road dust. He says, no, you are not called to be road dust. Listen, don't be road dust. Whatever understanding you want to choose, that meets you where you are about salt. Here's what Jesus says, don't be road dust. We said this, those who follow Jesus are called to be different. We're called to be different. You know, on one hand, you have the world. On the other hand, you have us, you have you, those who follow Jesus. This isn't my words, these are Jesus' words. He's saying, look, you should be different. Where's the salt? Where's the salt? Where's the seasoning? 
Where's the preservative? Where's the fertilizer? You are called to be salt. And I'll tell you what it takes in order to be salt today. It takes courage. Perhaps your prayer today should be, God, give me the courage to be salt. You know, elsewhere in the Scripture is a book of Colossians. We just read through Colossians this summer. In Colossians, it says, listen, let your speech uh, be full of grace and sprinkled with salt. Too much salt's not a good thing. We all know that. We've all had a dish with too much salt. That's, that's repulsive. That's not good. Don't be too salty. But have the courage to have a little salt. Get a little salt in you. I pray that, that we won't be road dust. That each of us, individually, will consider what it means to be salt, to be that fertilizer in the world today. Because again, I think that the world desperately needs that kind of thing. Where's the salt? I'll tell you this. We will not influence people. We won't influence people to follow Jesus by fitting in. No, we're called to be different. We won't influence people by fitting in, but by being different. Not different in a weirdo way. Different in a way that reflects the life that Jesus has called us to be. I'm being real with you, right? This is what he's called us to be. So please, consider this. Pray about this. How can you be salt? Okay, I spent a lot of time there, but that's worthy of spending time, some time, I think. Let's go now and look at Matthew 5, the rest of uh, this, this little portion of Scripture we're reading in the Sermon on the Mount. So he talks about salt, but then he gives, Jesus will give us a complementary metaphor to understand influence in the world, okay? Here's the second one. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they, they put it on a stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So here's the, the basic assumption here is this. Jesus says, hey, the world is a dark place that has little light of its own. That's, that's the essence of the metaphor. You are the light of the world. You can insinuate from that that he's saying, look, the, the world's a dark place. It doesn't have much light on its own, if any. So what's needed? A light to illuminate it. Light is needed to dispel the darkness. This is just a simple thing. And he says, you are that light. On one hand, there's the world. And the world, and I believe that Jesus says this with compassion. The world is in darkness. He says, but you, you are the light. And the light is meant to dispel the darkness, to illuminate the darkness. You know, there's this phrase as we consider what it means to be light that's used here. The scripture says that to let your, your good deeds shine before men. In some translations, it says good works. You might wonder, what does that mean? You know, some people have taken it to mean this kind of like silent service done in love. And I certainly would, would suggest with you and, and agree with you that if you feel that way about good deeds, that's true. But, but I want to tell you this. That phrase, good deeds or good works, is meant to cover everything a follower of Jesus says and does. Says and does. That good deeds there is not only silent action as if you were a mime or something like that. No, it's meant to encompass everything about you, everything you say, everything you do, your deeds. 
There's a lot of talk today about social justice, both in in the culture at large and in the church. And make no mistake about it, we cannot opt out of seeking to create better social structures which guarantee justice, which abolish discrimination, for instance. We have to be a part of those things. That has to be a part of the good deeds. But, but I'll say this, you know, humans need more than barricades to stop from, from being as bad as they can be. I mean, look, we've had, we've had civil rights laws in place for, for decades. Has that stopped discrimination? No. You know why? It's a problem in the human heart. And so what are the people of God called to be? We are called to be light in darkness. It's not only social justice, but it's a message of the gospel. The gospel has to be a part of our deeds. We need regeneration through the good news of Jesus. That is the answer to injustice. That is the answer to discrimination or whatever problem you want to plug in. Evangelism must be counted as one of our good deeds. There's a symbiotic relationship between the social justice piece and evangelism. And we have to have both visible acts of compassion and a message if we seek to influence the world with real power. Do you hear me? This is why I love Urban Impact. Urban Impact has been an incredible partner for us. And, and, you know, the thing about Urban Impact that I love is they are a good example of that symbiotic relationship that I'm talking about. You know, they are, they are meeting real needs, practical needs through their ministry. I mean, think about it. The, the educational piece of Urban Impact, if you know about them and the work they do, you can look it up online. Athletics, the arts. In fact, just this weekend and next weekend, we are hosting their musical. With the students, they've been working for weeks. Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Come and see it. Come support this ministry. Come support this light in the darkness. It happens right here. They, they actually put a performance on every December here called Light the Night. Duh. Light the Night. It's this symbiotic relationship of, of social justice, if you will, and the gospel together. This is what I believe we're called to as a church. This is who we're called to be. This symbiotic relationship between the two. This is the good deeds that Jesus is talking about in terms of being a light that dispels the darkness. They share the message of Jesus. They meet practical needs. This is what we're called to. And this is why I say, by the way, about Urban Impact, I say it's our ministry. And I say that in humility. And I I don't say that as, hey, we're here as sponsors somehow of Urban Impact. No, we want to be a part of what they're doing. Why? Because we desire to be a part of works of justice and works of the gospel in, in this city. So get involved, tutor, coach, volunteer, talk to Pastor Ed. He would love to tell you how you can do this because in a world that is racially divided, we need to be a part of the answer in Christ Jesus. This is what we're called to be, a light in the darkness. The last thing I'll say about the light is this, and it's really clear from what Jesus here says, light is good for nothing if it's concealed. Do you hear that? He says, look, you don't put it on a stand and cover it up, no. Light is no good if it is concealed. We are called to shine the light, of course. Not conceal it. And you know what conceals the light? Our own sin. 
our own laziness, our own fear, all these things and more will help conceal the light. I want to ask you a question as you're considering all this. Do you find yourself that the light concealed you for some reason today? That the hope of Jesus as a follower of him is, is being concealed? Is it fear? Are you fearful about what, might, what people might say in your neighborhood, your workplace, whatever? I can only imagine that Dallas had those kind of fears. He, stood, he stepped out in faith. He took courage. Is it just apathy? Are you just kind of showing up here or going through the motions? Let this be like a rattle of the cage thing because Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. What is the reason why you're not taking steps? If it's your own sin, that could be dealt with. In fact, we're going to talk about that in a moment here. There's an answer. There's a hope for you beyond your sinfulness. I want you to know that. God will meet you in the midst of that. Don't let your fears paralyze you. So as we consider the influence of a Christian, the influence of a follower of Jesus, as we consider this, this salt and this light that we're called to be, I just want to put this before you. You know that guy James Harrison we talked about, the one who was used to save over two million lives. What motivated him? What motivates a guy to show up month after month and give his blood over a thousand times? What motivates him to go through that for 60 years? Well, there's an interesting origin story. You see, James Harrison, when he was 14 years old, had a surgery to remove one of his lungs. And when he underwent that procedure, massive issues occurred, and he was in need of a blood transfusion. And so he was the benefactor of 13 pints of blood that had been donated. And so as a 14-year-old, he made a vow that he would give blood himself for the rest of his life. And it just so turned out that he had like magic blood, (laughs) blood that that could help save millions of people. Isn't that incredible? That's where that came from. You know, as I, as I thought about that, I thought, you know, that's where it started for Dallas too. Dallas Shepherd had his own blood transfusion. Ed Glover, who, who started and founded Urban Impact, had his own blood transfusion, if you will. You know what I'm talking about. Like they, their lives have been impacted by the person of Jesus Christ. They know this. That it's the power of the blood in their lives that has transformed them, that's given them life. And because they've been influenced by the life of Jesus, they influence others. It's almost as if Dallas and Ed Glover made a, a vow and said, God, I will serve you all the days of my life. Wherever I go, whatever I do, I'm gonna seek to be an influencer, to be salt and light wherever I go. And they know this. They understand this really important thing, which is their influence emanates from Christ's influence in them. You see that? You want to be an influencer? There's no doubt about it. You cannot do this in your own strength. But if you get your own transfusion of blood through Jesus Christ, you can be an influencer. That's Ed's story, that's Dow's story, that's, that's some of you, that's your story. It's my story. I pray that you would get that infusion. You know, there's someone sitting here today who, who doesn't quite get this or it sounds foreign to them or it sounds new to them. 
Listen, it's as simple as saying, I need that infusion. I need that life-giving stuff in my world. Because I am stuck in my sin. Because I am paralyzed by fear. Because I do have a haunt, a past that haunts me. I need Jesus. I need this transfusion. It's as simple as saying to God, God, cover me with the blood of Jesus. Give me life through his blood. And God, help me to be an influencer. You know, if you are stuck in your fear, if you have just been lazy, if, if your sin is holding you back, don't allow it to do that anymore. Take a step today. Today. You can let us know you're going to do that. We'd love to pray with you. We're going to have people in the back to pray. I would love to pray with you. Come introduce yourself to me. I would love to pray with you. And whether you want to commit yourself to Jesus for the first time and get that infusion, or if you just say, hey, i got to recommit myself. I've been lazy. I've been stuck in my sin. You can make that move today. We'll pray with you. Fill out the card. Jeremiah told you it's fun to rip off. Rip it off. And when you do, check the little box here that says, hey, I, I want to commit my life to Jesus. Maybe you cross out and say, I want to recommit my life to Jesus. I want to be a light. I want to be salt in this world. We would love to pray with you. We would love to walk with you and encourage you in that way. I, I want to say this as a close. You know, we, we, we're going to put up a question every week as a part of this series. And I just want to give you a moment to consider the question for today. Let's put it on the screen. Here's the question. How can you influence, keyword, influence those around you as salt and light this week? It's a great question to pray about. In fact, I, I want to give you a moment right now. You have that card in front of you. You got your device, whatever you need to do. Why don't you, why don't you answer that question in the moment? And, and right now, God may be giving you a name of a person that you need to be praying for, or you need to have a conversation with, you should write that name down. God may be giving you an idea, a vision for how you could be salt and light, whether that's in your home, in your community, in your workplace, at school, whatever it might be, write that down. You may have a, 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 just a, a kind of like a feeling you need to text someone or call them or visit them, write that down. You may need to, to give an invitation to someone yourself, to bring them with you here or, or to, to make an invitation to them to come to your home. What is it? How can you influence those around you as salt and light this week? I see some people writing some things down. Let's commit that to the Lord. Let's pray about that. You can actually share your journey with other people. We're a community here. We want to encourage each other as we're learning to follow Jesus. If you go to our website, CCGF, forward slash, I'm sorry, ccgf.org forward slash follow me. You'll find there, there's a forum. And we're posting. You can do it anonymously if you choose. You can put your name on it. And we're talking about what it means to follow Jesus. You might say, hey everyone, I'm praying about my neighbor. Would you join me in praying for them? Because I believe God's called me to be salt and life in the world. You, you can do this. Take this step. Let's give this to the Lord right now. This idea of being salt and light. If you feel convicted about it, I consider that a good thing. I feel convicted about it. I pray God will give you the courage to come before him, to live for him, to follow Jesus, the one who is gentle in spirit, full of grace. Let's go before him now. God, as we consider the words of this passage, 
We certainly find this to be challenging. We know, Lord, that we don't live up to salt and light. We have failed in that way. Some of us over and over again. Some of us just because we don't try. I pray, God, that you would help us in this endeavor to be salt, a fertilizer in the world, helping things to grow, killing the weeds, preventing disease. Help us, God, in that way. Help us, Lord, to be a light. Help us to dispel the darkness in the world around us. Use us right where you have us. And Lord, for those who have written something down in that card this morning, who are considering what it means to be salt and light, I pray that you would meet them in the midst of that. That they would know that the only way to be an influencer is through Jesus. That our influence comes through his influence. I pray, Lord, that you would make that really clear to each of us this morning as we consider the words of Christ. Help us, God. Teach us to be salt and light. I pray, Lord, that Christ's church would be a place that's known as a little city on a hill that shines brightly. That because of Jesus, we would be a people who are light in the darkness and the salt of the earth. God, we love you. We praise you and worship you. We do all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 